0: God, that we just come before you this morning. We thank you. We thank you, God, that we can put our trust in you. God, when everything else around us seems to be falling, God, no matter the situation we're in, God, we know that we can lean on you, the rock and our firm foundation. I pray that we'd be a people who know you deeply pray we'd be a people who know you intimately and we'd be a people who are built on a firm foundation so we thank you this morning for your presence we thank you for joining us here lord and that we can just stand with you and honor you and i pray that as we hear your words spoken to us this morning god that you speak to our hearts god that you do what you want to do in us god we love you God, we just surrender to you this morning. We thank you for this time together. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. All right, let's go keep on with old David. Man, we're we are we're gonna get through with David one of these days. He's not too far um, uh, he's not gonna be left for too much longer. But chapter 17, I think, has got some valuable lessons for us. And, and we need to cover it. Chapter 17, 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1. Remember from last week, Athaphel, he advised Absalom to, to go in with all of David's concubines and they built a tent up there in the palace. And so Absalom went in there and, and he spent all the time with the concubines. And, and the idea of Athaphel was... That that would for sure stop any chance of reconciliation. And and that's a bizarre thing, isn't it? That that people, people that that are related with each other would be involved in something that would cut off every possibility of reconciliation. But people do that, don't they? And they know what those things are. They know what those buttons are they can push. And if they push those buttons, then there's no way that people are going to be able to be reconciled. And so that happened. Now, verse 1, chapter 17. Now, fell, urged Absalom, let me choose 12,000 men to start out after David tonight. I will catch up with him while he is weary and discouraged. He and his troops will panic and everyone will run away. Then I will kill only the king. And I will bring all the people back to you as a bride returns to her husband. Now, that is a reference to celebration. There will be a celebration when we return back having been victorious of killing King David, then you will be at peace with all the people. Isn't that an interesting thought that he has there? That, that's an interesting piece of reasoning. We are going to take 12,000 men. We are, we are going to go... Now, because David, after all, is weary and discouraged out there in the wilderness, and it's an opportune time for us to kill only him. And when we kill only him, we will return in celebration, and that will mean that you will be at peace with all the people. Now, verse 4, look at that. This plan seemed good to Absalom and to all the elders of Israel. Let's go out there, let's assassinate the king, let's, let's kill your father, Absalom. Let's go out there and and take his life, and we will return, and we will return to a celebration. And everyone's going to be at peace with you. Now, first of all, I question their logic with that. Everyone's not going to be at peace with them. Everyone is not going to respect this action. Everyone is not going to come together and go, we're so glad that you killed your dad. We're so glad that you murdered David out there. We're so glad, Absalom, that you're our king now. After all, you're obviously a good decision maker. And, and what you did just last week up there in the palace with those concubines for everyone to see was a wonderful event. This plan seemed good to Absalom and to all the elders of Israel. Now, you got to be really careful when a plan seems good. You got to be really careful with that. Every plan that seems good needs to be looked at through through the Scriptures. It needs to be looked at through the eyes of the Lord. Is this a good plan in the eyes of the Lord? Absolutely not. This is not a good plan in the eyes of the Lord. Is this a healthy plan for the people? No. Would this bring peace to all the people? No, it will not. Matter of fact, if if. If this plan is pulled off, what you're going to have is the people are going to see that Absalom did this, that Absalom is part of that. Whatever following he has then, that's all the following he's going to have afterwards. Matter of fact, he's going to have a real difficult time establishing a reign among the Israelite people. He's just not going to get David's people. Now, he wants David's people to follow him. He wants David's people to be on his side, but he's not going to accomplish that. But he doesn't see that. People may bring plans to you that make sense. They bring ideas to you that make sense. They say, we ought to do this. We ought to do it this way. We ought to approach this conflict and these relationships this way. You may be at a family reunion here before the summer's over next weekend for the holiday and someone's going to go and says, you know, we've been sideways with Uncle Joe for a long time. I have a plan, I think, that we can operate to rescue old Uncle Joe and bring him where he needs to be, and the plan may seem good, it may sound good, it may make sense at the moment, but you need to be real, real careful of every plan you hear that seems good. Proverbs tells us, Solomon lays it out for us and he says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Do not lean on your own understanding. And so if you reason something out and you say this makes sense and you have done that without approaching the Lord in prayer, you're leaning on your own understanding. If you're relying upon someone else, if you're relying upon Athophel, and you're relying upon what Athaphel thinks, what Athophel knows, what Athaphel has experienced, and that's all the information that you have, you're leaning on your own understanding. Solomon says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. And so when you hear someone say, I've got it I know what to do when you hear someone say I know what to do I've said that a few times and I didn't know what to do I know what to do I have thought I knew what to do and I really didn't know what to do I have leaned on my own understanding and I have I've experienced the failure of that and and you have too. Do not lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge the Lord in all your decisions, in all the ways that you walk, in all your paths, and he will make them straight for you. In other words, he'll show you the way to go. Be not wise in your own eyes. If you're you're thinking, I got this, you don't have it. If you're thinking, I figured this out, no, you hadn't. If you have pushed God out of the decision-making, you don't have it. He says, be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. That is a repeated lesson in the Scriptures. The lesson is repeated here for us. It's repeated over and over and over in the Bible. So God must know that his people, that human beings, are going to struggle with thinking they know what to do and they don't know what to do, and they're going to find themselves in a difficult spot, and they're going to make poor choices. And so the Heavenly Father knows that people just like you and I, we are most likely going to make the wrong choice. And so we need a relationship with God. We need direction from God. We need direction from the Holy Spirit. We need direction from His Word. We need direction from God's people. I, I remember not too long ago a fella walked up to another fella and, and I was just kind of part of the conversation and, and this this fella says, Hey, I'm thinking about starting a new business. What are you gonna do? And he says, Well, I'm gonna buy this equipment and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. And and, and I and I'm gonna, I think I can make a good living doing this. And the man said, Don't do that. That's a bad idea. Everybody I know that's in that kind of work struggle with this, this, and this, and frankly, you're not cut out for that kind of work. The guy looked at him and said, well, all right. You know what he did? He went ahead and did it anyway. And the next two and a half years of his life were absolutely miserable as he was trying to make a living in a job, in a work that he's not cut out to do, that was very difficult to do, and his life just crumbled. And God laid it right before him. He leaned on his own understanding. If he would have listened to God speak through the brother, he would have been okay. He should have said no. Listen, you fall in love with that pretty little thing. You take her home to mom and dad, your friends all meet her, they're all talking with you. And and if you hear over and over and over, you need to think about this. This may not be a good idea. You have you prayed about this? It's, it doesn't seem like there's a compatibility here. I mean, it looks like something might not be good in this relationship between you? Are you sure this is a good idea? And and you may even have some of those wonderful friends that say do not marry her. Do not marry him. Why are they saying that? Because they know you. They see what's going on. They, they may be getting a word. And if you lean on your own understanding, then you you experience the hardships that go along with that. Man, we sure need to listen to people that know us well. We sure need to listen to people that are seeking God's will, that are in his book, that are, that are hearing God speak. It's a lesson that's repeated over and over and over in the Bible. We will think an idea is a good idea. We will think that we know what to do. We will think that we are right. And we'll lean on our own understanding. Now, let's move along here and let's see what happens here. You remember when David was walking out of Jerusalem crying and everybody was worshiping and they were bowing before the Ark of the Covenant. Absalom, excuse me, David told Hushai, To go on back and and be an advisor to Absalom. So he's he's David's man. And it says in verse five But then Absalom said, Bring in Hushai the Archite. Let's see what he thinks about this. When Hushai arrived, Absalom told him what Athiphel had said. Then he asked, What is your opinion? Should we follow Athephel's advice? If not, what do you suggest? Well, Hushai replied to Absalom, this time Athaphel has made a mistake. You know your father and his men, they are mighty warriors. Right now they are as enraged as a mother bear who has been robbed of her cubs." And so it's a completely different take on the circumstances of David. Athophel believes David now is weary and discouraged. Hushai says he's not weary and discouraged. He's ready. You will go walking out there with 12,000 men. He'll 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 take you to he'll take you to out behind the barn. He'll whip you good if you do that. He is upset. He is mad. He is angry. He is not weary and discouraged. He's ready to put a whooping on you. And and you got to understand what you're dealing with here. You're dealing with mighty warriors, and they are upset as a mother bear who has been robbed of her cubs. And remember that your father is an experienced man of war. Now, that's a suggestion that Absalom is not an experienced man of war. Absalom, sit down for a minute, boy. Think about what you're doing. Think about what you're thinking about. Think about who you're listening to. Your daddy has been fighting wars and armies like this for a long, long, long time. How much experience do you have fighting? What have you done? Do you have the military strategy within you to be able to pull off this kind of of fight? (coughs) He says he won't be spending the night among the troops. He is probably already hidden in some pit or cave. And when he comes out and attacks and a few of your men fall, there will be panic among your troops and the word will spread that Absalom's men are being slaughtered. Then even the bravest soldiers, though they have the heart of a lion, will be paralyzed with fear. For all Israel knows what a mighty warrior your father is and how courageous his men are. I recommend that you mobilize the entire army of Israel, bringing them from as far away as Dan in the north and Beersheba in the south. That way you will have an army as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And I advise that you personally lead the troops uh oh he done set the trap i i think you need to take all your troops i think you need to get them all you, we need to, we need to mobilize all the troops that we have at our disposal numerous as the sand the seashore it'll be a mighty army It'll be a strong army. It'll be, there'll be nothing they can't handle. And I advise that you personally lead the troops. When we find David, we'll fall on him like dew that falls on the ground, then neither he nor any of his men will be left alive. And if David were to escape into some town, you will have all Israel there at your command. Then we can take ropes and drag the walls of the town in the nearest valley until every stone is torn down. So he disagrees with Athathel about the 12,000 men. And he says, no, 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 no. Let's take them all. And you personally, you lead them out there. And when we find David, when we find his troops, regardless of where he is, we're going to be able to have enough power that you're leading that we can tear down any wall and we'll defeat David and his army. Now, He's speaking to Absalom. I've tried this week to think about which character uh, from a sitcom or a series or something that might remind us of Absalom. One image I have except for the hair is Frank Burns from M.A.S.H. Do you remember how bad those episodes would show that Frank Burns wanted to be in charge? If a general pulls in on his jeep, he's there. You know, if 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 if, uh, if uh, oh, watch his face left for a while. Frank Burns was in charge, and of course, you know then Hawkeye and 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 watch his face they would mess with him all the time. Absalom wanted desperately to be in charge he wanted desperately to be the man he wanted to be the one he wanted to be seen as the great ruler he wanted to be paraded around he had such an ego about himself that the idea that he would lead the troops that he would be out front that he would bring home this great victory was more than he could stand. It says in verse 14, Then Absalom and all the men of Israel said, Hushai's advice is better than Athaphel's, for the, for the Lord had determined to defeat the council of Athaphel, which really was the better plan, so that he could bring disaster on Absalom. That piece of information... Absalom had rejected. The piece of information that he held to was he would be in charge. He would be in the lead. He would be the one. Now, it says here that God had already determined, God had already chosen who was to be the king, and it was David. God had already determined that Absalom was going to be defeated. Now, Hushai shows up, and Hushai knows Absalom, and he lures him. He baited him. He knew what Absalom could not resist, And when he would get him to the place of hearing something that he could not resist, he would hook him. He just simply went fishing. He just went fishing just like this. You know, I've never talked to a bass, and I don't know how smart they are, but I do know that there are times that you can throw that ugly of a worm in front of a bass, and if he has a means to, if he is hungry, he'll bite that worm. Now, this is a Texas rig, and the way this thing works is this weight here makes it where when you throw that thing, the, the weight hits the bottom of the of the lake or the river or whatever and that old tail it just flaps up there in the water and it becomes more than the bass can handle you entice him with it you entice him with it he'll just And, and, and the way the bass does it is the bass opens up its mouth and sucks water in and he'll suck that water in, and you'll feel the first bump, and then you hear the sec- feel the second bump when that bass closes its mouth, and when he does that, Rick Hetty pulls that hook like a madman through that fish's mouth. I mean, he, he really is amazing fisherman. He ought to sell tickets and go out there and you ought to watch him fish, because he can really do it. So just think about that old bass. I see a couple bass right over there. Let me see if I can just. at there. Woo. So that bass is just sitting over there by that ledge right there. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here. Oh. And whoo. He's gone. He's hooked. You bring him up here, chop off his head, skin him, and eat him. That's what's happened to Absalom. He was enticed by the lure of being the man he couldn't resist. Hushai knew that. Hushai knew that he would put Absalom in a position that he couldn't resist. And when he got him there, he had him. Now, what entices you? What lures you? What, what things does Satan know that is your weak spot? Is it a juicy worm? What does he dangle in front of you that causes you to make the wrong choices? The very things that you know you shouldn't do, you end up doing. What does he entice you with? What does he lay out there? What lures you? Jesus said the four things that would keep people from growing in the Lord and embracing the the gospel and the word of God is the lure of wealth, the fear of persecution, the desire for wealth, the desire for things, the, 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 the danger, worry fear of problems would reach out there and grab a hold of you what 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 does satan know about you that easily lures you away and causes you to do the very thing that you don't want to do absalom clearly it was being out there in front and being the man now there's something that absalom just didn't understand. And that is this the Lord had determined to defeat the council of Athiphel, which was really a better plan so that he could bring disaster on Absalom. When God has already chosen you need to quit fighting. When God has already said this is the way it is to be you need to let it go. When you discover that you are to forgive then you need to quit fighting not forgiving. Because he clearly says we are to forgive. And if you're if you're fighting a forgive or not forgive situation God has already chosen he's already said in his word it is clear we forgive yeah but there no 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 yeah buts God has already said we forgive yeah but they said this it doesn't matter what they said but they did this it doesn't matter what they did but they, but they decided to harm me. The word of the Lord is clear about that. He's already chosen our response. And our response is to forgive. And you can go through every command in the scripture with that. What has God already chosen? And those other things that aren't clearly spelled out for us, when we know that God has chosen and we know he's chosen because that's the way it is. We are to rest in that. We are not to fight that. Look in Romans chapter 13, and I think this is a good illustration for learning to just rest in what God has chosen. Romans 13 says, Everyone must submit to govern authorities, for all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So, who's the king of Israel? David. Who was put there? Who put him there? David. God put, God put David there. And so Absalom had no business overthrowing David. He was wrong. He was fighting against what God had chosen. So anyone who rebels against authorities rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished for the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Then do what is right and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course, you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Now. Who's the president? Donald Trump. Who put Trump in office? The scripture says God did. Now you say, well, we voted, the people voted. Okay, all right. But who put him there? Well, he used the vote, right. But who put him there? God put him there. Do we fight against what God has chosen? No. It's 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 a waste of energy. It's a waste of energy to fight against what God has put in place. It changes the way we view things, it changes the way that we approach things, it might change the way you watch the news. You might have less blood pressure. If you realize that if God put the man in office, he's in office until God takes him from the office and has put someone else in office. If Barack Obama, when he was the president of the United States, he was put there by God. And so when the Christian right came out and said, he is this, he is that, and campaigned and yelled and screamed about this and that and the other, according to Romans chapter 13, they were wrong. They were wrong. The racist people were wrong to be upset about having a black guy as president. It's wrong, just as wrong as it is now when people fight against Trump. And regardless of what your political beliefs are, once the man or the woman is put in place as the leader, our response changes. Now, in the process, we pray, We campaign, we vote, we influence, we talk about, we dialogue. Use your influence for the best of your ability. But once the vote is made, we respect the decision that God has made. And we rest in that. And we quit quit being raving lunatics about what they do or don't do, about what we agree with or what we disagree with. In our own lives, it doesn't have to be politics, it doesn't have to be the position when when God does something and he puts something in place and he positions something in our lives and it's God's business, we need to rest in it. You may have been beating your head against the wall for a long time to try to accomplish something, and you 're wondering why in the world it won 't happen. Could it be God has said no Could it be that god has said i 've got you where I want you you may be you may be in a situation where you have tried to to raise your standard at, at, at the company or some other, and, 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 and you have been fighting like crazy, trying to get the promotion, trying to get ahead, trying to get this new spot, trying to, to, to advance yourself, and you keep on hitting your head against the wall. Could it be that God is simply saying, no, that's not for you? I've already chosen your spot. I've already selected what I want for you. There's one thing I know for sure that what we see here, and if we went through in 2 Samuel the rest of the time, you'll see that, that in this story here as we end up, Absalom is working himself to death, and David has a party. At the end of 2 Samuel chapter 17, he has all these foods brought to them and they're able to rest. It's easy. For Absalom, it was a struggle. It was hard. It was difficult. But for David, he done arrived and it was easy. One of the ways that you can know the difference between God's yes and God's no God's no is beating your head up against a a, a closed door. God's yes is the door easily opens. And when you're doing the Lord's work and God is opening doors, the circumstances may be hard, the, the consequences may be difficult, but the work is easy. He lays it out there. And so the lesson that we need to learn here from this story of Absalom and Athaphel and David and Hushai is this. If God says yes, rest in it. If God says this is the leader, rest in it. If God says this is my choice, this is what I desire, rest in it. If God says no, rest in his No, do not fight God. Now, on paper, I think that we would all agree after we would write down all the attributes of God and everything that God has done, we would have to agree that it is absolutely ridiculous and foolish to fight God. Well, of course, he created this heaven and this earth. Well, how, how, why in the world would you fight God? Well, why would we fight God? Or why do we fight God? No. Phil's advice, Hushai's advice, military tactics. How many soldiers you had didn't matter. The Lord had already determined to defeat the council of Aphophel. Which, by the way, really was the better plan. Interesting, isn't it? But no, the Lord had already determined that disaster would fall on Absalom. David would be victorious. So it really did not matter how good our plan is. If God has said, this is the way it shall be, then that is the way it shall be. And what we must do is be submissive to what God has determined is the way it's going to be. Help us, Lord, to learn from Athafel's mistake, Absalom's weakness to temptation, to the plan that God, that you had to, to defeat Absalom. Lord, perhaps some of us here are dealing with something that Lord, we've been knocking our head against the wall for a long time, believing we were right about something, and perhaps we need to begin considering that that may not be what you want. And I just pray, Lord, that you would give us a heart to want what you want. In Christ's name, amen. Ushers, please.